Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back, everyone, to the Super Bowl edition of our Triune Pod. Yes, you heard that right. This Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, Nick Kamiski, who is going to win? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I'm pretty superstitious, so I always... Um, I don't, I never would never say that I expect the chiefs to win a super bowl or a playoff. I expected them to beat the Browns, um, and in ways that are pretty hilarious in hindsight, I was like, I'm pretty nervous about this bills game. So, I mean, on paper, I think the chiefs are more talented, but, uh, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady, man. We've all seen it happen. Uh, it's, he is, he's hard to beat in those big, big games. I pray to God he does. I am glad it's Mahomes Brady. I think Brady is so much more likable now that he's out of the Belichick axis of evil. But uh, excuse me, my dog is eating something. He shouldn't be. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, have you seen the uh, that meme of uh, Yoda and baby Yoda, Brady is Yoda, Mahomes is baby <laughs> no, Yoda. I thought that was pretty that's funny. funny. Just like, like wisdom it, versus just raw talent. Yeah, so, man, that's right. Yeah, I that's think right. most of the world, I, I know, I don't know if this is right. I would say my gut would be most of the world is probably rooting for Mahomes, but you guys did win the Super Bowl last year. And like you said, Brady isn't a part of the evil empire that is the New England Patriots. So yeah, people are like coming around on him, which feels very weird. Six Super Bowl wins. This is his 10th Super Bowl appearance. We should all be underdogs and root for Andy Reid and the Chiefs. And yet the Chiefs aren't underdogs anymore. So we're in a bit no, of a- it's true. In a way that will will bleed pretty seamlessly into the discussion for today on the collect. There is a way in which, like my my heart is so immune to m- rationality as it relates to like hating the fans of other teams. Like I remember last year during the Super Bowl, I'm like, all oh, these freaking San Francisco fans. Like you guys won one of those Super Bowls with Steve Young. Like you don't deserve this. If I was in your position, I would be like okay with the Chiefs winning. You know what I'm saying? And then <laughs> when I was watching the Bills game, and I was surrounded by a bunch of Bills fans, I'm like, I hate you, mother effers. You know, like, how dare you? And I mean, the Bills are the most tortured fan base in the NFL, probably besides for the Bengals or the Browns. So it's just funny how like, the, you know, you put on that different hat, and all of a sudden, you're the, the favorite, and you still detest the fans from other teams. It's, it's really funny. And your denial about being the winner. So, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for a great game either way. The Super Bowls that are blowouts are the absolute worst. So, yeah, unless you're a fan of the team that's blowing them out. (laughs) But, yeah, I I take your point. Fair enough. All right. So we're going to say the collect, and then Nick's going to enlighten us with his wisdom. So let's pray. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins, and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Set me free, Nick What have you got? 
Yeah, well, let's just start like with the basic structure of the collect as a way of organizing our conversation. I mean, what we're asking for is two things. We're asking to be set free from the bondage of our sins, and we're asking to be given the liberty of the abundant life made known to us in God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's start with the bondage of the will everyone's favorite topic. Uh, what does it mean for us, uh, those of you who will be praying this collect on the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, to say, God set me free from the bondage of my sin? Um, the, the definition I would apply to that, uh, or to kind of substantiate that idea, is that without the, the power of God's grace, we have not a lot to do but sin, right? Uh, without the enabling word, we are kind of bound to be remain, we're bound, we will be stuck in patterns of thinking and acting and feeling that are discordant with the abundant life that God made known to us in God's son, Jesus Christ. So I think that that is like the first thing for us to really wrestle with when praying this collect is what does it mean to say that we are bound to our sins? So let me put that back to you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I down. But that makes me think of as way back in the freshman year of college. And friends, if you're just listening to us for the first time, Nick and I went to the same college and have been friends for like 15 years. And uh, our mutual favorite professor, who is just like very charismatic history uh, teacher, he was talking about this kind of passage or this idea of what does it mean <clears throat> to be saved? Are we you know, dead in our sins. And he wrote this, like <laughs> this picture of someone like <laughs> dead, or are we like, you know, we're not so well, but we're okay. And what is the difference between being dead in sin, being, needing liberation versus, uh, you know, being, you know, not quite all right and made alive. And I don't know how helpful that distinction really is. Maybe it is, but that that's what this makes me think of, of being bound as being, we're not just not well, we are dead in our sins and we need to be made alive. Yeah. I think, you know, on a, it's whenever you start talking about being bound, you, at least where my mind goes, is like very exotic or at least very like kind of easily defined instances of addiction, you know, whether it's alcohol or shopping or overeating. And I think in those instances, it's easy to see how like you might not like what you are doing, but you find yourself unable to stop doing them. And those examples are, you know, well trod for a reason, right? They're very, they're very vivid. But I think for people who don't necessarily experience, at least to, in their consciousness, like that type of addiction, I think these, this idea can seem foreign, but I would just suggest to people like, you know, the distinction that I'm trying to make here is not are that when I say that we're kind of our will is bound, it's not that obviously we're free to choose to do things like I'm free to tie my shoes right now. If my shoe gets untied, I'm free to water the house plant that I'm looking at in my office. What I'm not free to do is to wish to genuinely wish someone well who cuts me off in traffic, right? Or I'm not that free to be not anxious when I consider my future and uncertain employment prospects. I'm not free to be um, generous and kind when I feel myself and my resources scarce, right? So it, it's not necessarily that we are all captive to these destructive, debilitating vices. It's that when it comes to living the good life, the, the life of, of freedom to which, you know, God made known to us, we are not free to simply choose that. You can't choose to be a nice, open-ended, soft-hearted person. I mean, and the reason why I know that to be true is because 
if any, if, if we could choose it, everyone would do it. Right. So, um, I don't know. Does that, does that, I think that's actually that, really helpful. I think you get kind of lost in the weeds of like the theological distinction or what exactly does this mean? Whereas, but let's keep this a metaphor that, that, you know, the power of metaphor is real. Like, yeah, when, well, I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me and don't want to say it out loud, but like, what do I just go right back to all the time, despite my wishings, despite my best efforts. Uh, yeah, at times I, I think that language of bondage is really appropriate and helpful. Yeah, so you know, I think what is interesting is that this collect was written for the church and it will be prayed ostensibly by believers, Christians. And so we are, we're confessing in a way that we remain bound to our sin. Uh, and I, this is a little, uh, this is going to be a little pretentious, but I think one of my favorite, some ways, like truly one of my favorite quotes about the Christian life is comes from uh, Kierkegaard. I, I don't know where I probably read it on like Pinterest or something, <laughs> but he talked about how he talked about how, like, you know, and I think it's from Romans 14, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. And he made this point that like the opposite of sin is not virtue. The opposite of sin is faith. And, you know, if you kind of do some logical games and flip that around, like our chief sin is unbelief. Mm -hmm. And so to be, to be praying, God set me free from the bondage of my sin. I think it would be helpful for people to not just think about their particular transgressions as helpful as that is, but it's also Lord set me free from the bondage of my unbelief, because I think all of us invariably can relate to the fact that on any given day, there are several instances in which, you know, laying hold of the word that gives us Christ, the gospel ceases to be the most important word for us. And we are oftentimes shaped by listening to the other words that are, you know, that we are speaking to ourselves or that others are speaking to us. And that truly is like something that we, everyone can appreciate how that we need the inspiration of God's spirit, God's grace to help us to believe, to lay hold yeah. of the gospel that gives us Christ. Yeah, and no, I resonate with that a lot. And just, to, again, the, the college that Nick and I went to is a Christian college. And you're so surrounded by really smart Christians, really devout Christians. And then, you know, you get out yeah, into really, the Yeah, really lame Christians. <laughs> really <laughs> not too. fun Christians. No, sorry. Shouts but, to um, all my Grove City friends. But yeah, no, I I, I found that, you know, it's, you know, it, this goes right back to my evangelical youth and how like they're not quite as wrong as I thought they were. But when I'm not connected to the scriptures, to other Christians, to, to good Christian writing, to whatever, when I'm just kind of like out there living my life, I, I'll kind of notice some of my belief wearing thin or I, I resonate maybe with the Christian story a little bit less. And last night I was watching... The Crown, uh, an older episode uh, that I, I just really love, and I think I, I noticed the, this in me a little bit of like, wow, like I, I'm not like resonating with my Christian faith as much. So I watched this episode. Uh, it's that episode where they're going to the moon, and uh, Prince Philip is just like having this midlife crisis, and he's introduced to this priest character. And he's just like, oh, this guy, he's, what they're doing is a waste of time. Let's be men of action, like those going to the moon. And then he actually he has this interview with the three astronauts, and he's so excited about this. But then when he actually sits down and talks to them, they have nothing to say. It was just kind of like they've not reflected upon this experience at all. There's no kind of grand epiphany that's occurred. And so by the end of the episode, he's 
going back to these priests who he mocked at the beginning and says, I have lost my faith, but I want it back. And just to go back to where I started, this is why we pray. This is why we go to church. This is why we get connected with believers, while we read the scriptures and get connected to good sermons, etc. Because without it, like, yeah, this, this faith that we have can kind of become unbelief fairly quickly. Uh, yeah. I don't want to take we're that just, over. We're just, we're just grasping at straws, man. Yeah. yeah, all we are is dust in the wind. No, that's true, man. It's very quick, very subtle. Um, all right, well, let's transition to the next, uh, the next prayer or the next supplication in this collect. Give us the liberty of the abundant life which you made known to us and your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. What does it look like to have that liberty of abundant life that is revealed to us supremely in Jesus? Uh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> you know, yeah. this might kind of bleed. I, I'm going to be pulling a little bit from the sermon that I'm working on this week, which is actually for the lectionary texts from last week for those of you who are listening to this podcast but it has to do with the authority of jesus and jesus walked into that synagogue he taught with new authority he exercised a demon and people thought who is this our set who is this person so i've been doing a little bit of work on that word authority and what exactly that means uh, it's a greek word as you might expect and what that word actually means is not power in a traditional sense it means freedom to be to have authority is to be free in some ways. And Jesus exuded an authority in that he acted in complete alignment with the will of God. And he was free from the kind of conventions and expectations of everyone he met. So he operated not on a higher plane in some ways, but he was, he was, you know, in a different story, man, he was listening to a different song and he was, you know, he was free in that way. And so I think about what it means for us as believers who have the word of Christ dwelling in us for whom the gospel was planted like a seed and is growing and is becoming this tree that bears fruit. Like we are people who are in communion with God and in Jesus Christ are in alignment with the will of God. And that you know, that song, hearing that song helps us to forgive the cliche, but just walk to a different beat, you know, like we are, you know, we have a different soundtrack for our lives and it doesn't mean freedom. You know, it doesn't express itself when it's truly spiritual freedom. It doesn't express itself in the freedom to do wrong. It expresses itself in the freedom to serve, right. And the freedom to be available and to make oneself um, a, a source of life and hope and mercy and grace in lots of, you know, banal everyday ways. And do you think that's what the abundant life is? The prayer goes, and give us the liberty of that abundant life, which you made known to us in your son. Now, a lot of times when I hear abundant life or God gave us abundant life, my mind goes to maybe not like prosperity in the sense of wealth, but the fact that we're going to be feeling good, feeling calm, less stress, more joy. And maybe that's a part of it. And I hope that's a part of it. But I also like if, if we're looking to the liberty of that abundant life in Jesus, you know, Jesus lived a pretty tough life. I mean, Jesus was murdered, crucified. Um, yeah. What is, is the abundant life? Like you said, is that uh, not what we're looking to in terms of, you know, everything's fine. But the abundant life is the life of service, uh, walking in the light, so to speak. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think this might be a little cheap or predictable, but I, I would just divide the inner person and the outer person. That's the move Martin Luther makes in the freedom of a Christian. <laughs> so I think I have some good, uh, some good company there. But I think the notion that we are free in our internal, our, our person, meaning we have righteousness, peace, joy, hope in the Holy Spirit. That is not something that we generate through mindfulness or meditation techniques. That is like the flowering of the seed of the gospel in our lives. And I do want to say like emphatically that I think Christians are people who are happy and joyous and free because of the gospel. So there is, I, I do would not want to discount people's faith and expectation that like following Jesus, believing the gospel really does make a profound difference for your inner experience of life. I, of course you agree with that. I'm not pushing back on you. Um, but I think, but you know, on the other hand, there is like the outer person, right? Which is like the, the shape that your life takes and abundant life does not again, mean like that God blesses you with a Maserati or something. It means that, you know, because we are so free internally, because we're happy and joyous and our hands are open out towards the world, we do find ourselves being drawn into dire situations. Um, but I, you know, when I think about the people in my life who embody this, that tension very well, like, you know, this, this is again, quoting Martin Luther, a Christian is utterly free, Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is utterly dutiful, servant of all, subject to all. I think that paradox um, is embodied in people that I know who exude a certain generosity of spirit and a certain confidence that their manner of life is pleasing to the Lord, but that doesn't, it's not self-satisfied or smug. It's not stifling it. And what it means for them is like a profound availability to the mm. world around them. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a both. And, you know, like, I think it's, it's, a, it's hashtag blessed in, in some real, real, real ways. Um, but it's not self-satisfied or kind of protective. It's like, it, it seeks for like it seeks the good of others it's interesting because it's it sounds a little bit like stoicism in that you know come what may in the outside world you're kind of at peace or centered though it's a little different though because there does seem to be less of an emphasis on detachment um, maybe that's not doing stoics uh, benefit of the doubt but that, that, that's what it sounds like on some level that come what may for Christians, there is this peace and this calm and this joy. And of course, that's not perfectly lived. And if you don't have those things as a Christian, that doesn't mean you are not a Christian or not in God's love. But yeah, I think that that is what this prayer is talking about, the liberty of that abundant life, which is obviously perfectly shown in the life of Christ. But that is uh, enabled in believers through the power of the spirit. So it's, again, not just a hope for the life to come, but a hope in the here and now. Yeah, I, 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 I frankly don't know how to resolve that tension, but I think about that tension all the time, especially in relationship to the clarion calls for racial justice that you know have been rightly sounded uh, in our world over the last nine months, um, because you know, in a way that I can't, yeah, like I said, in a way that I can't harmonize, I experience both things to be true, um, or I believe both things to be true. I think Christians are people who, for whom the world is being put to right. And that does issue in like a 
confidence and a capacity to bless one in enemies and not seek vengeance and just frankly not to be angry are just constantly looking for people to attack mm -hmm. um but that that doesn't mean that's not a quietism and that's not a surrender to injustice and i think so yeah I, I, you know i just I, I don't know how to harmonize those two things yet and i because i because i look i mean there's i'm just being very frank there is a way in which i sometimes do detect an anger and a kind of a nursing of mistreatment by people who are constantly exposing our real societal ills. And, you know, people might hear this like, oh, well, you're just like some rich white dude. What do you know? And it's like, fuck that, man. Like I've been through stuff. I know what it's like to be really disappointed and hurt. And I know for me, like the way out of that was to like really try and seek the good of other people and not continually nurse what I, how I perceive the world to be against me. So, yeah, I, I, man, I'm just being real. I'm still no, trying to work it. that out. How can it. you, you know, what's the abundant life um, and what is peace and joy and hope? How can that coexist peacefully with legitimate and godly anger at injustice and what's wrong in the world? And how, you know, what does that look like? Obviously, there are people who embody that. I'm not saying like I have discerned some massive problem, you know, and I'm certainly not trafficking in the like criticism of like critical race theory or I mean something like that I'm just saying like yeah how do we go about that and how do we be kind of activists in a way that befits people for whom the present form of this world is passing away right that's that's an interesting question yeah that's why I think this collect especially in its first three words are right and should probably be the last word so why don't you pray us out set us free oh god from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. How about that episode of Our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.